I tell you, I'm so glad that you joined me for this fourth session. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm ready to start out with fire, praise God, because this series is just so incredibly important, spirit, soul, and body. We're going to enter into uh, the battle today in regards to just how to practically integrate the teaching that we've been uh, sharing. You know, it is easier said than done at times because there is a real battle. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the greatest preacher on the earth today. I don't care if you have the most faith of anybody on earth today. There are times when your flesh is going to rise up. There are times where you're going to feel weak. There are times that it's just going to be difficult. If that wasn't true, then faith wouldn't be a fight, would it? I tell you, that's not a bad confession. That's a reality. But in the fight, in the battle, there is profound victory. So we're going to enter into the dynamics of battle and then the wisdom of victory. Praise God. I want you to see that. The devil's strategy has not changed. Uh, you know, mankind has not changed. The nature of man has not changed. So why would the strategies of the devil change when they've been working for over, you know, 5,000 years? Let's start with Genesis 3. And again, I'm so glad to be able to share this teaching with you. You know, most of the people that enter into our ministry, that partake of this ministry, are people that are really after God. You know, we don't, uh, I tell you, we don't candy coat anything. We share things as they are. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's so good because I know that if you're listening to this series because of it's strong, it's meat, I, I know that you're seeking after God. We're not here to tickle people's ears. We're not here to do anything other than share the word of God, believing that the word of God will get through your ears into your spirit and you'll be the man and woman of God that you're intended to be. Hallelujah. That is indeed our motivation. All right. With that said, let's look at Genesis chapter three. The Bible says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto uh, the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife did hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, what I want you to see is this. God has made you spirit. He has made you spirit that his spirit may indwell your spirit. Your spirit, hallelujah, is a container, is a dwelling place, is a temple for the Holy Spirit. And it also, praise God, as we shared in our prior session, it is that when combined with the word of God as nitro and glycerin, hallelujah, combined, explode as the word of God combines with your spirit, Atia, and the explosion of faith, you're meant to walk in victory. I mean, God works through the spirit. I tell you, so often I, I go to churches to share or, or, or I read something in the body of Christ and everybody's hunting for something that new. They're, they're hunting for something from the outward in. Can I tell you something? If you ever knew what you had on the inside, glory to God, you wouldn't be hunting for stuff on the outside. 
God works from the inside out, not from the outside in. Thank God for dreams. Thank God for visions. Thank God when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I mean, those things are wonderful and we need those. The gifts of the Spirit, they are outward in. But the Bible says that inward faith, inward love, inward grace, inward wisdom is how God works, hallelujah, primarily and foundationally. And we need to learn to live from the inside out. And when we do, I'll tell you what, the devil will have no opportunity to enter into to gain victory in our lives. All right. Now, the devil, he works from the outside in. He's not able to work on the inside because he can't get to your spirit. But what he can get to is your soul if you'll let him. Now, your soul consists of your mind, your emotions, your personality, your willpower. And he will use circumstances. He will use logic. He will use prevalency. He will use oppression. He will use religion. He will use everything he can to get you into the soul realm. Because if he gets you into the soul realm, I'm going to tell you something. You will be defeated 100 times out of 100 because he is smarter than you in the natural. He is greater than you in the natural. But thank God you're not in the natural. And if you stay out of the natural, you will have victory over him 100 times out of 100. You know, if a great well is uh, in the water, he is, uh, he is king in his territory. He has dominion over all things in his uh, sphere of influence. But when that great well is beached, when he gets out of the water, he is profoundly vulnerable and he will die again 100 times out of 100. I hear people all the time say, you know what, I, I, you know, I'm not going to overcome this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I'm only human. And I always tell them, I thought you were saved. No, you are not only human. That is a, that is a profound lie. It is, it is deception in the highest form. Can I tell you something? You're not only human, praise God. You are supernatural. Glory to God. You are, you're not only human. You are spirit. You are supernatural, not just human and natural. Glory to God. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. But I'm here to tell you this. When you walk according to who you are, you will walk in profound victory. Notice in Genesis 3. And I believe at this time that animals could talk. Otherwise, how could you carry on a conversation with a serpent? But here's what I want you to see. A few things. Number one, it is obvious that Adam and Eve did not do what God told them to do. Adam was told by God specifically to take dominion over every animal on the earth. Adam did not do that. You can see he was right there the whole time that the enemy was deceiving Eve and he never opened his mouth. Can I tell you something? I believe many times the sin of omission is greater than the sin of commission. And the sin of omission will lead to the sin of commission. Adam was there the whole time. This serpent should have never had the right to speak to his wife like he did. This serpent should have been told to shut up. And made the walk on, made the crow on his belly, bless God, before he ever had the opportunity to continue to speak to Adam and to Eve. Because he did not take dominion, he was, mm, Jesus, he entered under the dominion of the one he did not take dominion over. And I want you to see something else. I believe Adam would have taken dominion if it was a rhinoceros that was talking that ugly thing. He would have taken dominion you know, over this animal. But you see, 
the Bible says that the serpent was wise, was very colorful, very beautiful. And you see, because of his wisdom and beauty, Adam and Eve started to listen to him. I'm here to tell you this. Just because somebody's colorful in their speech, just because somebody has natural degrees, just because somebody pastors a large church, I don't care how colorful they are, how wise and natural they are, you don't listen to them at all unless they're speaking the word of God and able to rightly divide it. You don't listen to somebody because they're colorful. You don't listen to somebody because they're wise and natural. You don't listen to somebody because they have natural credentials. You only listen to somebody because they are a fivefold minister, hallelujah, representing God himself, and they're able to rightly divide the word of God. All right. Now notice this. The tree that they were not to partake of, it was a beautiful tree. I mean, it was a beautiful tree. Now, how come that tree was so beautiful? I mean, you know, it would have been a lot easier for Adam and Eve if that tree was, you know, just had crab apples on it, you know? But it, listen to this. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, that's when she ate of it. Now, here's what you have to understand. Many times, circumstances will align themselves to what the enemy is saying, even though what he is saying is profoundly untrue. There are many times where the devil will come to you and say, you know what? This isn't working out on the mission field. This isn't working out where you're at. You need to go here and be blessed. You need to do this to be blessed. Can I tell you something? It may look right. It may smell right. It may sound right, it may feel right, but if it's not according to the Word of God, and if it's against what God has said, I don't care how good it looks, I don't care how good she looks, I don't care what looks good. It's not God unless it lines up with the Word and it's of your soul rather than of the Spirit. And you see, when something's of the soul as opposed to the Spirit, and you go with the soul, you will reap destruction a hundred times out of a hundred. I had some on, uh, that I had discipled, and they uh, they had moved. They were uh, both professors at a, at a major university. And I asked them about church, and they were hesitant in telling me about it, so I knew something was wrong. And they said, well, our pastor uh, and his wife, um, they were both married prior, and God spoke to both of them through a vision and said they married the wrong people. So they divorced their spouses and got married. They teach the Word in a wonderful way. I said, you get out of that church immediately or I will not continue discipleship with you. Well, thank God they eventually did, but not quick enough. Can I tell you something? I don't care how good she looks. I don't care how good he looks. If it doesn't come through the word by your spirit, it's not God. I'm here to tell you this. The devil will always have a boat waiting for you. When Jonah was going to leave town in rebellion, there was a boat waiting for him. Just because there's a boat waiting for you doesn't mean that it's God. Just because she looks good doesn't mean it's God. Just because he's got money doesn't mean it's God. Just because, oh, i tell you what, it might look greener on the other side of the fence, but I'm going to tell you something, that grass is still going to be mowed. It's still going to need mowed, and I'm here to tell you this. You're going to enter into destruction. Amen. All right. Well, we're starting out with fire, aren't we? Glory to God. We're going to continue to get hotter and hotter. Praise God. I need to share this with you because it is so 
important. Life and death is not only in the words you speak. Life and death is whether you live by your spirit or you live by your soul. There's so many things here. So many things. Now, now first, I want to get into, I want to get into this reality that the devil is for real. And I, I want to get into the reality that sometimes, I'll tell you what, it just really looks sometimes like he's right. He's logical. You know, uh, he gets circumstances in his favor. There's oppression against what's right, and there's emotions uh, towards what's wrong. And I tell you, we, you got to understand this. Just because it feels right, just because it looks right, doesn't mean it's right. And just because circumstances are contrary to the Word of God, emotions are contrary to the Word of God, logic is contrary to the Word of God, I'm here to tell you this. The Word of God, your spirit, always has to be adhered to. Now, I said there's so much here. Uh, go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Matthew 14, 25. Now, we've shared this many times in a number of contexts, but I want to share it in the context of this teaching right now. In Matthew 14, 25, the Bible says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And it, it says this, that, again, we're, we're talking at Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, uh, you bid me to come on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased. And they in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now what I want you to see is this. When Peter was walking by the word of God, the word that Jesus said, Come, he was walking by his Spirit. But when he began to walk according to his mind because of what he correlated with the wind and the rain, he began to sink. I'm here to tell you this. When you walk by your spirit, you will walk on the water. But when you walk by your soul, you will sink and you may die. Now, I know that's strong. Now, in the context, of course, is God's mercy. Even though he sank, Jesus picked him right up and God's mercy is there. But if you continue to walk after the soul, walk after the soul, walk after the flesh, I'm here to tell you, it's a situation you do not want to put yourself in. I want to share a simple testimony. There's a number of testimonies I'm, I'm going to share throughout this uh, teaching. But I'll never forget, uh, years ago, uh, we were um, in a little church pastored by Stephen S. Bogdan, a uh, really great minister of the gospel. He uh, pastored Highway Tabernacle, Assembly of God in uh, Philadelphia, uh, a well-known historic church. But he was uh, at a church where we were at, and I was an elder at that church, and we had... Uh, invited Teen Challenge Choir uh, from Roosburg, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia to come to our church. And uh, 
almost all of the families in the church, we pulled up one or two people. My wife and I were, we had two children at the time living in a trailer, but we took two young men and, you know, we had an extra bedroom. They stayed there. But when they came to our trailer, we immediately knew something was wrong. They they were about our age uh, at that time, about 20, 29 years old. And I could tell that they, they, they were visibly shaken. Something was wrong. Well, I asked them about it. And one young man started to open up. He said, you know, we were just at a church uh, this past uh, weekend, and uh, there was an elderly lady in the church who uh, we were staying with. Unfortunately, her granddaughter was there, and she invited uh, another young lady over. They were very promiscuous, and they really baited us, and, and they elicited us sexually. And unfortunately, we we're about ready to enter into uh, profound sin. But right at the last minute, both of us just said, we can't do this. We just can't do this. And we uh, began and got things right and shared with them the gospel, and they accepted Jesus. But they said, we're just so shaken because we came so close, that just, just giving everything away, so close to being destroyed by sexual sin. And uh, the young men went on and on, and, and I shared with them, well, you know, you almost were destroyed. But Jesus turned things around and praised God. You know, now you're walking in victory. But you see, when they were walking on the verge of sin, what they were doing, they were being like Peter. Instead of looking at Jesus, instead of looking at the, through the word of God, they were now looking in the natural. Can I tell you something? When two young men look at two young women in the natural, you know what? The lust of the flesh can easily manifest. But you see, we're not natural. We're supernatural. When we, Hallelujah. When they looked at them, praised God, and shared the gospel with them, what were they doing? They were now looking at them as sisters in Christ, they're now looking at them through their spirit. I dare you to look at somebody in the spirit and say that you can enter into having an unrighteous sexual relationship with them. When you look at somebody in the spirit, through the Holy Ghost, through the word of God, you will see them as somebody that's so foreign to you, somebody that's destructive to you, somebody that's poisonous to you. You will never enter into sin when you walk in the spirit. That's why the Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the us to the flesh. But I guarantee you this, you get into the natural. You enter into natural thinking, which is stinking thinking. You enter into that type of thinking, you'll enter into sin. I shared that because I want to get real with you today. I'm here to tell you that you can't fail if you walk by your spirit through the Holy Spirit. But you will fail a hundred times out of a hundred if you get over into that natural realm. Now, that word realm, I want to call your attention to it. Uh, R-E-A-L-M. In Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, Jesus said that I've given victory to you in every name that is named. Is beneath your feet because I'm the head of the church and you're my body. And I put every devil, Satan himself, every name that is named, anything contrary to me, anything hurtful, anything that would bring harm to you, it's underneath your feet. Now, here's the key. The devil can't touch you when you are above him. The only way he can touch you is when you come down to his level. I've said this several times. But you have to make sure that you never fight the devil on his terms. I'm going to tell you something. Goliath of old in David in 1 Samuel 17. Goliath knew that the Philistine army at that time, they were no match for the Israeli army. So what he did, he came out. He said, you give me a man. I'll fight against him. Winner takes all. The army that loses serves the one that wins. He knew that 
the Philistine army would be destroyed by the Israeli army. What they should have done when, when Goliath came out, man, 100, 200 men should have came down and just, just destroyed him. But because they fought him on his terms, that's why they were losing until David came. You don't fight the devil on your terms. For example, when the devil tells you that, you know, to gauge yourself according to the world's standards. Uh, sometimes the, the world's gotten so much in the church, rather than judging success by God's standards, by the word, we judge it according to the world. For example, we think bigger is better. I go to a big church. So I, I'm not, you know, isn't that wonderful? Can I tell you something? Whoever told you that bigger is better? You know, I read in John chapter 6 one day, where it says everybody and almost every person that went to Jesus that called him rabbi, that called him pastor, every person in his congregation basically left. What about that? What a failure he was at that time. You know, if all, all the church growth people would have came at that time, they would have said, poor Jesus. He hardly has anybody fall on him. Can I tell you this? Bigger is not bad, but bigger doesn't necessarily mean best. I tell you, if I'm in a church of a hundred and the dead are being raised and victory's being wrought and blessings coming, I'd rather be in a church of a hundred than a church of 10,000, man, where the works of God aren't manifesting and where you got to give Starbucks coffee to get people to church. You got to give them Krispy Kreme donuts to keep them going to church and you got to play secular music to get them to the altar. Glory to Jesus. Amen. That was for free and I'll not take it back. I'm here to tell you this. Gage yourself by Jesus not by the ways of the world. I'm going to tell you this. There are many times Christians are doing well, but they think that because they're in a battle, that, that it's, you know, there's something wrong with them. Can I tell you something? A lot of times when you're in battle, it's not because you did something wrong. It's because you did something right. A lot of times uh, somebody will judge themselves according to how much money they're making, according to this, according to that. Sometimes there are seasons where you're going to have to fight. The money's going to come, but there are seasons a preparation, seasons of battle. Sometimes, praise God, you know, you're in, you're in a place where God's dealing with your character. Don't ever judge yourself by, by the devil's standards, by the world's standards. All right. Now, I said that to say this. When you're in the realm of the Spirit, the devil can't come up that high. I tell you what, the devil cannot come up that high. The Bible in the book of Isaiah shares a lot about being like an eagle. You know, did you ever see an eagle? Fighting vultures on the ground? No, you never did. An eagle doesn't fight vultures on the ground. An eagle swoops down, takes its prey, and then ascends so high that the vulture can't get to him. Can I tell you something? You never let the devil get to him. How can you make sure the devil will never get to you? You walk in the spirit. And I tell you what, when you're in the spirit, that sword is so sharp that he won't come within a mile of you because he knows he'll get his throat cut. When you pray in the Spirit, you're speaking mysteries. He doesn't understand a word you're saying, and he's so proudful he can't stand to be around you. You walk in the Spirit. I, I tell you, an eagle does not have problems unless it starts fighting on the ground. A lion's the same way. You know, it's amazing to me that the major adversary of the lion, the king of the jungle, the major adversary isn't a, a tiger, isn't an elephant, a rhinoceros. It's a laughing hyena. The only way a lion loses, and he doesn't lose much, is when he kills a prey such as an antelope. And then a number of high, laughing hyena will encircle him. And that lion can destroy every one of them. But they start laughing in such a shrill, high-pitched voice that it almost drives the lion crazy to where he will leave his prey and run off. 
Can I teach something? The lion is not meant to let hyena encircle him and, and, and enter into this shrill voice. He's meant to destroy hyena. Can I teach something? You're meant to destroy the intimidation of the enemy. All right. Now, we're talking about Matthew 14, 25. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he did so through looking at the natural. You see, he knew many people that died in storms like he was experiencing. And here's what I want to share with you. Every time you are in the midst of trial, you will, there will be an image that comes to you during that trial. For example, in, in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the 12 spies went out and all these men were leaders. I mean, they were, they were powerful men of God. They had all walked through the Red Sea. They had all seen God move mightily. And they all saw the giants of the land. Now, 10 of the spies looked at the giants and they saw the image and they correlated that image with God being unfaithful, with hurtfulness and destruction. Joshua and Caleb looked at the giants and they correlated the image of the giants with them being bread for them, saying, if the Lord delights in us, these giants are bread for us, having a different spirit in them. See, what was the difference? But all of them were strong men of God. All of them had experienced God. Joshua and Caleb chose in the midst of trial to correlate the image of the giants with victory. The ten spies and the rest of Israel, other than Moses and Aaron, chose to correlate the giants with hurtfulness and destruction, even God being hurtful and hurting them. I I'm here to tell you this. We need to understand that the devil will do everything he can to get us to interpret situations wrongly. And this is where the devil uses religion so much. I, I tell you, I'm amazed at the doctrines of men. I mean, there is a doctrine that people still adhere to that says that God hates people. I mean, you'd think they'd read the Bible. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, you know, that, that God has chosen some to salvation and some to destruction. And there are times where, I, and I've counseled many people, that, they, you know, that they, they just feel like God's against them. And circumstances, you know, seem to validate that. Religious teaching seems to validate it. Their mind adheres to it. Their emotions are void of the presence of God, seemingly. What do they have to do? They have to get out of the natural. Then it hears itself to religiosity and religious spirits and the oppression they're in, and they have to get over into the spirit realm. I tell you what, when you see through the eyes of your spirit, whoo, through the word of God in you, I mean, you see things in a way that causes you to be free. Glory to God. Instead of seeing giants as hurtful, you see them as prey. Instead of seeing sickness, hallelujah, as in regards to someone in the church as being a devastation and, and a symbol of God being sovereign and him being hurtful, you look at it as an opportunity to raise the dead and to heal the sick and to cleanse the leper and to cast out demons. I mean, when you look at things through the your spirit, everything is different.
Glory to God. All right. Now, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 4.12. I said we're going to accomplish a lot during this session, and we are. And I tell you, you're going to have to listen to it over and over again because there's just so much here. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, here's what I want you to say. You and I need to understand that the spirit, when something's of your spirit, there will always be life. When something's of your soul, it would always be destruction. I'm going to give you two very, very strong examples right now. But I want to say this again. You need to, you need to be able to discern what is of your spirit, what is of the spirit, and what is of the soul. What is of the Word of God and what is of religious doctrines of men? What is of that which is on the inside of you and that which is according to the natural mind and the natural emotions that would come against you? Let me give you two examples. Uh, one, a number of years ago, uh, my dad had a heart condition and uh, I got a call saying that uh, he had, had a severe heart attack. Now, I could tell by the voice of the, one of my, my relative communicating it with me that he um, was close to death. So I, I drove about an hour to his house in Pittsburgh. And when I got into the house, I, I saw that there had been a great confrontation, that his heart evidently was so out of whack that it just threw him and almost all the furniture in the house were broken. I mean, the rocking chair, the couch, the, I mean, I mean everything. It was, versus everything in that living room was broken. And immediately, my mind, my natural mind said, he's dead. My emotions bore witness with my natural mind. And the oppression of the devil came and, and it just started to inundate me and overwhelm me. But instead of crying, instead of saying, God, you're unfaithful, I looked to my spirit. And I knew that God had spoken to my spirit. And in my spirit were the words, in the spirit, in the mind of my spirit were the words, your dad will be saved before he dies. Your dad will live to such and such an age. And everything's okay now. So now... I have a decision to make. I went with my spirit. Now, the hospital was about, Hospital St. Margaret's was about 20, 25 minutes away from his house in East Pittsburgh. I drove the distance all the way down. Oppression's trying to come on me. What's oppression? It's something that presses against you through the utilization of your mind and emotions. My mind's telling me that there's no way he could survive. My emotions, again, are not in the context of my spirit. I continued to look to my spirit, continued to speak out of my spirit. I got to the hospital. I went to the front desk. There was some confusion. There was some hesitation. Immediately, my mind said he's dead. Turned out he was alive. He gave his life to Jesus. He lived to the year, hallelujah, that God has spoken to me. Hallelujah. But you see, it was a battle between soul and spirit. I could share so many testimonies like this. Oh, Jesus. Uh, let me share two more. I got to get this across to you. I was um, sled riding with my 
four daughters. They were, uh, I believe they were 12, 10, 6, and, uh, uh, and, and then our youngest was only about three. And uh, at the end of our sled riding, I was putting the sleds into the car. We're uh, getting ready to go home, and, and an audible voice came and said, this is a good thing that you're doing because it will give your children something to remember you by. I didn't even think much about it. I was so cold. I wanted a house. Immediately, I went to the restroom, and there was nothing but blood. That same voice spoke to me again and said, you've got cancer in the last stages. Well, again, my mind, because of the circumstances, bore witness with what that voice said. My emotions bore witness to it. Oppression bore witness to it. But then, thank God, I looked in my spirit. And in my spirit, there was peace. In my spirit, there was joy. And out of my spirit, I said, I believe everything is all right. Well, I went to the doctor a short time later and everything was all right. You see, we need to learn to live by our spirit through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God in our spirit. Uh, another testimony. My wife had uh, been ministering in Hong Kong. She was at uh, Jackie Pullinger's church, one of our favorite people, uh, one of the greatest missionaries, I believe, alive on the face of the earth today. Wrote the book Chasing the Dragon. Uh, movies have been made about her ministry. Just, just unbelievable woman of God. My wife was coming home from Hong Kong. She stopped off in Detroit. And I mean, she was unable to walk. They hospitalized her in one of the largest hospitals in Detroit. Uh, I got a call from one of the main surgeons, doctors there in the hospital. He said, we think she has a form of typhoid. It's going to cost about $35,000 to do the test. Well, immediately, my mind said, She's going to die. My emotions bore witness to my mind. Oppression was there again. Giants were speaking to me. I looked to my spirit. I, I looked to the Holy Spirit in my spirit. You see, if I want to contact you, I find out your telephone number and I call you through your telephone number. If I want to contact the Holy Ghost, I look to my spirit because he is one spirit with me. I look to my spirit. I listen with the ears of my spirit. I incline the ears of my spirit. Now, that might sound strange to you, but I inclined my spiritual ears through the ears of my spirit unto the spirit of God himself and said, Lord, what should I do? Doctors are not of the devil. They can be vehicles of God. He said, in this case, you tell her to leave the hospital and come home quickly. I told the doctor we, will, uh, we appreciated his uh, wisdom. He said she could die. I said she's leaving the hospital. She literally crawled out of her room, crawled into an elevator, went downstairs, and just happened that the, the man doing intake was a Christian, and him and his wife took her in for two days. She flew back to Pittsburgh uh, because she was so bad they wouldn't accept her on the flight for days, and she looked bad. And, and a missionary from the Philippines that I respect greatly said, I think she has typhoid. She has all the traits of it. She started doing a little bit better. She went to a, a meeting at church. And while well, she was at the church meeting, I was praying. And I had a vision just in my spirit. I, I knew, but then I had a vision outwardly as well of her being healed. And I, I knew in my spirit she was healed. And I, I thank God I worshiped from my spirit. But when she got out of the car, we, have a, we lived right by a very busy road. And uh, she went with three other ladies. One of the ladies was a nurse. When she was getting out of the car, she fell flat on her face on that busy street. I, I rushed out, gathered her in my arms, brought her into the house. 
I shared with her. I said, in my spirit, I know that everything's going to be all right. We broke the, the bondages of the devil, the oppression of the devil, and she was every with hope. Praise God from that day forward. Now, I'm saying this to say this. When you live by your spirit, you enter into abundant life. But when you live by your soul, you become a prey to the enemy. This is not a game. If those two young men would have went with their soul, they would have entered into destruction. If I would have entered into fear in a situation where the devil said I had cancer and it looked like I did circumstantially, if I would have looked to the circumstances regarding my wife coming back from Hong Kong, I, I, I would have been in trouble. But thank God for God. And God works from the inside out. God works from the spirit. Hallelujah. Even as the enemy would try to work from the soul. Again, there's so much here. Glory to God. Now, one of the variables I want to, you to understand, I want you to see, is that when I say look to your spirit, you have to make sure that there's something in your spirit. And what I mean by that is this. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's words abiding in your spirit, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. My Father, which is in heaven. I tell you, many Christians falter because they've got more of general hospital in them than they do Isaiah 53, 4. They got more as the stomach turns or as whatever turns soap opera in them than they do the word of God. And when you have, when that's the case, it's not going to work like it should. You've got to spend time on the word so the word gets in you. So when you look to your spirit, the word in your spirit is going to speak back to you, praise God. So it's imperative that you have input so you can have output. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Again, we need to understand the devil will use religious doctrines. He will use everything he can to come against you. But God wants you to understand that I tell you what, as you enter into worship, the word, intimacy with him, fellowship, the basics, prayer, seeking God. Ooh, I tell you what, the soul, the devil is no match for your spirit. You see, in Hebrews 4.12, it teaches us that as the word of God is in our spirit, that we now can discern what's of the soul and what's of the spirit. For example, when someone comes up and they try to condemn me because I missed it, or, I, or my own mind tries to condemn me, I'm not going to receive that because that's of the soul. When doubt tries to come upon me, I've got to understand doubt is not of my spirit because I can't have, there is no doubt in my spirit because my spirit's born of God and there is no DNA of doubt in my born again spirit. So when doubt comes against me, what is that of the spirit or is that of the soul? Well, I discern it's of the soul. Well, if it's of the soul, then I'm not going to worry about it because doubt, I'll tell you, my faith in my spirit will work when there's doubt in my head. It's just like I used to teach uh, in a reformer school and I also taught in a high school where I worked with uh, juvenile delinquent students. And, and I tell you what, I've, you know, I've had knives pulled on me. I had one young man brought a hand grenade and put it in his locker. I mean, it's a tough class. And I'll never forget uh, I had one young man that uh, I thought I was getting through to in his, in his sophomore year. And then uh, I found out he put, I mean, 
he put long screwdrivers in all of my tires. I mean, they were just, my tires were destroyed. And uh, it's funny because just a few weeks before he said I was his favorite teacher. I was glad I wasn't his less favorite teacher. But, uh, you know, if I would hear a, a student of mine who was in, in that type of, you know, uh, lifestyle say, you know, I don't like Mr. Bruno or, I, you know, I just consider the source. Can I tell you something? When unbelief is attacking you, you just got to consider the source. You need to say, oh, it's only you. Praise God. When you can discern soul from spirit, minimize the soul. It's only you. Magnify your spirit. Ooh, it's you. Glory to Jesus. And you're going to enter into victory. Hallelujah. Because you see, you know. In your spirit, you know. Faith is of the spirit. Doubt is of the soul. And even though sometimes the doubt is more easily perceived than the faith in your spirit, even though circumstances seemingly line up with the thoughts of doubt, you need to know this. What's in your spirit is 10,000 times greater than what's in your soul. Smith Wigglesworth, the great teacher and evangelist of old, says your spirit is 10,000 times greater than your soul. So why don't you live by your spirit? I tell you, in your spirit, you know. Hallelujah. I, I, hallelujah. I, the, you know, I, I love, you know, good jokes. I love, uh, and, and, but I never tell jokes just to tell them. They have to serve a purpose. I want you to listen to this joke. There was a, 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 a lady, she was passing by a pet store. And there was a talking bird. Then when she passed by, this bird just yelled out and said, you're the meanest and ugliest woman in the world. And she, she was so mad, she got back and the bird repeated again, you're the meanest and ugliest woman in the world. Well, she got real uptight and she was a very affluent woman in that town. She went and talked to the store owner and said, if that bird ever says anything to me again, I'm going to buy out this store you're going to be gone, and I'm going to have that bird, and, you know, he's going to be gone for sure. She walked out angrily. So the manager went, and he talked to the bird. He explained the situation to the bird, and he said, you know what? That lady is mean, and she is a little ugly. But he said, you know what? If you verbalize that to her again, both of us are going to be out in the street. He said, whatever you do, you don't tell that lady that she's mean or ugly. Well, couple of days later, sure enough, the bird's outside on the sidewalk. And the woman, and he's in his cage, and the woman's walking by. She looks at him. He looks at her. She looks at him. He looks at her again. She looks at him one more time. And the bird says this, you know. <laughs> and the lady just kept on walking. Got to you something. In your spirit, you know. You know. Why would you negate what you know in your spirit just because doubt in your soul is trying to supersede what you really know? It is time to enter into maturity. It is time to stop running from the battle and running to the battle. It is time to live by our spirit. It is time to walk by our spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It is time to enter into victory. Glory to Jesus. I, I tell you, I, I love this teaching as one of the you know main teachings really of my life. 
I mean, it's something that I, I believe is so incredibly important. And I, I want to share some, what I call just, I just call them spiritual gems. Spiritual gems. And uh, I want to share these gems in the context of wisdom relating to spirit, soul, and body. First thing I want you to see is this. Even though you live in a natural body, even though you have a soul, your mind, your emotions, you are not a natural person. I hear this all the time. Well, you know what? I sin because I'm only human. I can never do the works of God. I'm only human. What do you expect? I'm here to tell you this. I'll tell you what I tell everybody that tells me that. When they tell me I'm only human, I always say, I thought you were saved. You see, your spirit, not just human. You're supernatural, not just natural. And what I want you to see is this. It is not natural as a Christian to walk in the natural. I'm going to say that again. It is not natural as a Christian to walk in the natural. You and I have got to learn to fear God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We need to fear walking in the soul realm. I tell you, we need to fear walking in the soul realm. You know, those young men that I talked about from Teen Challenge, when they entered into the soul, looking at those girls from a natural vantage point, rather than through the eyes of their spirit, through the word of God, seeing them as sex objects rather than sisters, I tell you what, they were being destroyed. But when, praise God, they turned the switch and start to walk by their spirit, they begin to see what they were doing as evil as profoundly hurtful, as profoundly destructive. Glory to God, and they entered into victory. If the devil was so strong, how come he couldn't bring them down? It's not natural to walk in the natural. As a believer, glory to God, it is natural to walk in the spirit because you are spirit. Glory to God. I tell you, if I could get anything across to you, I will get that across. Glory to Jesus. Now, here's, here's something, uh, a second gem that I, I believe it'll just, it'll change your life. This comes from the, the teaching of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, of course, was a, a great evangelist based in Chicago for many, many years in the early 1900s. And uh, D.L. Moody was engaging uh, a, a young couple. Uh, they, were, uh, they were dating, growing a, a guy. And he was witnessing to them, engaging them in the gospel. And, and both of them, they said, you know what? We'd want to accept Christ, but, you know, we really like the nightclub scene. We really like the dance, you know, in the nightclubs. And, you know, I, we, just, we just really don't think that we could stop this. And D.L. Moody said something very interesting. Now, you have to think about this when I first say it before you pass judgment on it. D.L. Moody said this. He said, after you give your life to Jesus, I mean, he said, if you really want Jesus, you're willing to let him change you. You're sincere. He said, after you give your life to Jesus, and uh, the woman, the girl was mostly had a hard time with dancing, and it was the man that had a hard time with cigarettes. He said to the man, you can smoke as much as you want. He said to the lady, you can dance as much as you want. As much as you desire, you can dance. And as much as you desire, you can smoke. They looked at him like he was crazy. They said, we don't understand what you're saying, but we do want Jesus. 
They accepted Christ as their Savior. Hallelujah. They began to rejoice in their salvation. And the young lady looked at D.L. Moody and said, you know what? I want to dance all I want because I have no desire to dance. My, the desire to dance in those clubs is gone. That young man said, I don't have any desire to smoke. Why? Because God had made them spirit beings. And there's no desire in anybody's spirit to smoke. And there's no desire in anybody's spirit to engage in a nightclub scene. You see, they now were new creations in Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ. They now were spirit beings. Glory to God. You see, we need to, oh, glory to God. You see, what we say are desires is really a, a deception. No, you don't have a desire for pornography. You don't have a desire to smoke. You don't have a desire to do wrong. Someone says, well, yes, I do. If I don't have a desire to, to enter into pornography, then how come I got these books in my car? Because you're deceived. See, what you have is an emotional and mind response according to the world system towards pornography. It's not a desire. It's not a real desire. It's not the desire of your heart. It's a reaction to what you've seen and heard. It's a reaction to the image of the world. You have a desire for Jesus Christ. The real you desires Christ. The real you desires purity. Now, I know this is meat. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a solical desire in the sense that there is, and you can even have a physically addictive desire. But I'm talking about the desire of your, the, of your heart. The real desire in your heart is purity. The real desire is victory. Praise God. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And Acts chapter 16 Glory to God. The Bible teaches us that Paul and Silas, they were in prison for sharing the gospel. The Bible says that they were in the inward prison, meaning that they were literally in their own feces. They were in leg irons, arm irons. They were in a place of uh, just seeming, uh, just doom. But the Bible says in Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and entered into worship unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Here's what I want you to see. You don't think the mind was going into motion regarding Paul? Man, if this is the will of God, then why are you in this prison? If God loves you so much, how come you're in prison? You know what, Paul? You imprisoned people and even killed Christians before you were saved. You're just reaping what you've sowed. You don't think he was talking to Silas, a young man of God? You know what? You shouldn't be with Paul. You should never have gone on this trip. I told you you shouldn't. Their mind was probably working overtime. Do you really think that they felt like worshiping God? I guarantee you this. When in your, you're in your own feces, when you've been whipped, when you're in leg irons and arm irons and you're in pain, I really doubt that they said, Woo, I just feel like worshiping. What did they do? They looked at your, their spirit. And said, you know what? My mind says, my natural mind says, I'm being wrongly treated by God. My mind says that I'm reaping what I've sowed and having imprisoned so many people. My emotions are bearing witness with my mind. There's oppression all around me. 
But instead of looking to my mind, instead of looking to my emotions, instead of looking to the natural, my natural willpower, to seeing how I can manipulate my way out of this, I think I'm just going to start looking to my spirit. I'm going to look into my spirit. I'm going to incline my ear to the Holy Ghost and see what he's speaking. I'm going to look through the eyes of my spirit in the heaven. Oh, I hear the Holy Ghost saying he's worthy. Hallelujah. The eyes of my spirit are perceiving the face of Jesus. Paul, Silas, they begin to worship God out of their spirit. They began to sing praises unto God, began to worship by their spirit. And God, hallelujah, sent an earthquake, busted up the leg irons, busted up the arm irons, busted up the chains on everybody in that prison and birthed the greatest church ever recorded in the New Testament, the church at Philippi. Why? Because two people, two people, in the midst of battle, glory to God, look to their spirit and walk by their spirit rather than look into their soul and walking by their soul. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy, worthy, worthy. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God. You see, so often, we enter into a place. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. What is self-pity? Is that of the spirit or of the soul? Mm. We start to rationalize. God came through for Job, but didn't come through for me. We start to enter into just what Adam and Eve went into. Exchanging our spirit for our soul. Exchanging spirit life for soul life. I think of Esau and Jacob. You know the story? In the book of Genesis, Esau had the birthright. I mean, he, he had an inheritance, the firstborn. And one day he goes out hunting, stays out a little bit too long. He's real hungry. He comes in, he, he's, he's just hungry. And he sees... His brother there, Jacob, he says, give me some of that lentil stew. Give me some of that red pottage. And Jacob says, sell me your birthright, and then I'll feed you. And Esau says this. He says, what does my birthright profit me, seeing that I am going to die from hunger? Can I tell you this? There is no way in the world he was going to die from hunger. But you see, he felt like it. He felt like it. Sometimes, boy, your emotions magnify things to such a degree. It feels like if you don't get what you want and you don't get it now, you're going to die. And you know what we do to get what we think we need when we really don't need it? We sell our birthright. We exchange the glory of God for an immediate fix an immediate manifestation, so to speak. See, Satan is after your birthright. And can I tell you this? You can never enter into sin. You can never enter into soul life unless you ex exchange spirit life to get it. 
Sin is exchanging, according to Romans 1, the glory of God. Hallelujah. 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 I tell you, there's just so much in my heart right now. I just feel like the Spirit of God, you know, and I tell you, I usually don't do this. I did it in, in, in our last session, and it's coming on me again. I'm trying not to do it. <laughs> really, I'm trying to walk by my soul, I guess. But I, I, I tell you, I need to do it. I, I, just, I just need to let myself go. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, I weep. I weep. During the nighttime, during the daytime. I weep because my church is so close to glory. My church is so close to life. Yet, it does not grasp on to that which is before them. But so easily exchanges what they have. The life of my spirit is before you. The life of my son is before you. It is in you, says God. Enter in to me through your spirit. Enter into me through your spirit. Do not exchange me as one throws away wrapping paper from a gift. Do not cast me apart. Aside, says God. Do not exchange me, says the Lord. For soul. For soul life. Do not say it's too hard. For the Lord says, I went to the cross for you. Do not say I cannot, for ability is within you. Look to your spirit. Please look to your spirit. For as you do, you will walk with me. You will partake of me and receive of me and be used by me. Put away the soul. Please put away the soul. For surely it is a snare unto destruction. But it is not the spirit you've been given. And even the one who indwells you. The provision of life that you might live hereby in great and profound abundance, says the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You know, as the days grow darker, religion is going to grow stronger. Sin is going to grow stronger. You know, it's in the air. Homosexuality, premarital sex, swinging, adultery, it's in the air. Humanism is in the air. Many times I go out in the street because I love it. And I'll just share the gospel straight up or I'll do surveys. We have five questions on the survey. And one of the questions is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven or are there many ways? And you know over half of the Christians that respond to that survey say that Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven. Why is that? It's because soul life has so inundated them and taken over through what they hear in the world that the world now rules them rather than ruling their own life. We need to understand that many times the word of God does not seem like it's working. But just because it seems like it's not working doesn't mean that it is. Doesn't mean that it is not working. It is working. And as you and I work the word through our spirit, through worship and, and praise and confession, it will come to pass. 
a lot of times someone will come up to me and say, you know, I tried that and it didn't work. And I say, well, you just proved that it does work. They say, what do you mean? Well, you just proved it when you tried, it really doesn't work. You're not called to try the word. You'll try to, oh, glory to God. You're not called to try the word. You're called to work the word until it works. You don't try the word. You do the word. See, trying the word is of the soul. Doing the word until it works is of the spirit. Glory to Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I tell you, when I say that this teaching is so incredibly important, I just want you to know that as, as the days go darker, and they, that's not a bad confession, they're going to grow darker. But God's going to raise up a standard, and the church is going to be so bright, the Goshen principle is going to come into play. The church is going to be blessed in the midst of darkness. But I want you to know this. The world, I tell you, the world's strong, coupled with the devil, coupled with your soul life, with the flesh. I don't watch much television, but I'll never forget. I, a few years ago, uh, there was a man, a well-known actor, I won't say his name. But he was married for about a year, and then he was divorced after about a year of marriage. And the talk show host said, well, why did you get divorced? He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I woke up one day and looked at her, and it was just like the emotions weren't there, just like we were strangers. He said, we were divorced shortly thereafter. You see, this is a man that probably loved his wife. He's unsaved. He doesn't understand the dynamics of life. So when the emotions were seemingly gone, he thought relationship was gone. Can I tell you this? Just because uh, uh, the flame begins to flicker, I tell you, just even if the flame goes out, can I tell you something? Don't get another candle, light a match. You need to understand how life works. Life works through the dynamics of spirit, soul, and body. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You know, sometimes it seems like there's no way out. The only way out is just going with the soul. But I need to tell you this. There is a way out. And not only is it a way out, but it's the order of life. I can tell you this. I've never lost when I've walked by my spirit, ever. But I have lost battles because I've walked by my soul. You know, there are times where, you know, God will give me a word of knowledge. It'll seem illogical and I'll quench the spirit. There are times when God's instructions are contrary to my mind. There are times when it just doesn't seem like it's working out and I just want to shrink back. I, I, my joy is not full. But what I've learned and what I'm learning is never before is God's worthy. And I tell you, ooh, man, as you look to your spirit and confess the word, as you look to your spirit and worship God, God will never, ever fail to send an earthquake. God will never, ever fail to bring you forth. He will never fail to bring you forth. I want to close by sharing uh, one last testimony. 
this teaching is so tough for me because there's so much on my heart. I could literally go for hours and hours and hours. And, and, and all honesty, it's hard for me because uh, it, it's just difficult because of that. But I, I, let me just share one last testimony with you. And then I, I just want to, I just want to worship a little bit. This is a testimony that was shared with me from a man uh, from South Africa who was ministering at a tent meeting that a, a church I was affiliated with helped sponsor. And uh, he knew of this man. And this man was a street preacher. And this was in the 1950s. And his uh, sphere of influence, his mission field, so to speak, was the, the city of Buffalo. And this man was faithful to preach in the street and he had great results. And he would, after people, after people would get saved, he would, you know, usher them into various churches. But one uh, day it was very cold. If you've ever been to Buffalo in the wintertime, I'll tell you, when the wind comes off of the lake, it can be very, very cold. And the wind chill was about 30 below zero. There was snowing. And uh, he wasn't going to go witnessing like he normally did, but instead of just not doing it, he looked to his spirit just to make sure that what he was sensing through his natural mind would be confirmed by the mind of his spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So he inclined his ear and the Holy Spirit, uh, and usually, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the Holy Spirit will confirm the natural. I mean, you know, if there's a, 13, if there's 30 inches of snow, he many times going to tell you not to go outside. You know what I'm saying? But when he inclined his ear, his spirit, the ear of his spirit to the Holy Spirit, he heard these words go and minister as you normally do. And he struggled with that because it was so cold, but he obeyed. And he went down into the very center of uh, Buffalo at that time. And there wasn't a person in sight. The wind was swirling, and but he preached for about an hour and a half. He preached his heart out, went back home. Now, the devil said, you're a fool. You're going to get sick because you're out in the elements in a way you shouldn't have been. His soul condemned him. His mind said he was foolish. His emotions bore witness with the foolishness of his actions according to his mind. Well, the very next day, he needed to go see a dentist. He went into the city, and a man examined him. And uh, he needed a lot of work. It would cost hundreds of dollars. He did not have the money. But the dentist said, you know what? I'm going to do all this work for free, and from here on out, as long as you're in this city, whatever you need done for you, I'm going to do it for free. And I also want to give some money to your ministry. And he said, uh, why are you doing this? And the dentist stopped what he was doing and said, you know, yesterday I came down to my office because I knew that no one would be around because of the elements, the weather. He said, I had vowed to commit suicide because of all that was going on in my life. He said, I had a gun in my hand, but before I pulled the trigger, I heard a man Start preaching about Jesus. He preached for an hour and a half and gave an order call. He said, I accepted that, Jesus. When you came into office, I recognized your voice. 
I've given my life to Jesus. You see, how easy sometimes it is to go with our soul rather than with our spirit. I want you to do something as we close today. As Paul and Silas in the prison cell, I want you to see that no matter how loud your soul is speaking, contrary to your spirit, contrary to the word of God, no matter how loud it's speaking condemnation, no matter how long loud it's speaking foolishness, no matter how loud it's saying that your God is untrue, no matter how loud it's saying that he doesn't love you as much as he does somebody else, I want you to look to your spirit. And I want you to do what they did. I want you to sing praises and worship him right now. Out of your spirit, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, you're worthy. I want you to say, Lord, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you're worthy. Lord Jesus, you're good. Lord Jesus, you're giving me the victory. Lord Jesus, you're putting me over. Lord Jesus, the enemy cannot withstand the confirming power of your spirit. Lord Jesus, the faith of God's within me. Lord Jesus, the love of God's within me. Lord Jesus, the grace of God's within me. Lord Jesus, the greater one puts me over. I'll lose victory now. I'll lose, pre oh my, I'll lose the Shekinah glory of God now. I'll lose you undoing what needs to be undone and doing what needs to be done. I lose you. I lose you in my body, healing virtue. I lose you in my mind, a soundness. I lose you in favor for finances. I lose you in wisdom and, and boldness for souls. I lose you, I lose you, I lose you. I believe. I believe. I know. I have the victory. And Lord, I believe that as long as I live from the inside out, from my spirit, I will win in abundance and live in abundance. And I make a commitment to you now. <coughs> oh, Jesus, I make a commitment to you now to never live through my soul that's contrary to my spirit. For the mindset on the spirit is life, but the mindset on the flesh is death. I loose you, Jesus, to cause me to live by my spirit through the Holy Spirit. And I believe that you will confirm me a hundred times out of a hundred because you are the father of my spirit, the father of spirits. And even as I live by my spirit, I commune with you who are spirit and victory is guaranteed. I just want to encourage you. There's so much that's with intrinsic to this session. I want you to know that you've been given a spirit that's 10,000 times greater than your soul. 
and in your spirit is the issues of life. And as you live by them, you will never, never be defeated.